want to take a moment as we pray uh, over the word to be shared here and also lift up uh, the Middle East and what's going on uh, with that. And uh, I mentioned that uh, before long here, I would share a little bit of some thoughts and, and how we can pray uh, specifically for what's going on in the Middle East. But before I do that, I know that there are dessert bars that are left over from last night that are homemade <clears throat> that after we're done, you can eat them up. All right? <clears throat> so let's take a moment and pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, what you're doing in our midst here. But Lord, <clears throat> we're very aware of what's taking place in the Middle East, such a tumultuous region. And Lord, we know your heart is you love all people. and You desire all men and women to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, in these times, we don't know what to pray. And the Scripture says that we are to pray in the Spirit as we pray the perfect will of God, and we do that. But, Lord, in this moment now, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And, Lord, we pray that <clears throat> there would be just a resolve in that the terrorists would be routed and there'd just be answers that would come forth. And Lord, uh, we just ask for peace in the Middle East. We're going to trust you in all these things. But Lord, we trust we'll see your hand move. Even not just in the Middle East, but all across the world. You will have the final say. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, <clears throat> amen, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so uh, let's just say this. Uh, let me, uh, I don't know, I don't have a, a background. There we go. Thank you. We're in the sixth week, and uh, this series kind of evolved a little bit, and there's some things I was stirred, and <clears throat> I want to hopefully bring a conclusion to this this, this week. But I want to I read this chapter about uh, the Shunammite son because I believe it's, it's uh, uh, pertinent to what I want to share today. And so if you would just bear with me, typically we don't, you know, read whole chapters or all multiple verses and you can pull it up. But I think it's important as we set the stage because I'm going to try to briefly recap and jump into is a point that we want to, to, to close with. So we're talking in uh, reading the text in 2 Kings chapter 4, uh, verses 8 to 37. The Bible says, And one day Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put it, uh, put it into bed and a table, a chair, and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day, when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there, and he said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and she stood before him. Elisha said to, uh, to him, tell her, uh, you have gone through all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Interesting. Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. Verse 14, 
What can be done for her, Elijah asked. Gehazi said, she has no son, and her husband is old. Verse 15, and then Elisha said, call her back in. So he called her, and she stood at the doorway, and about this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. Think of that, being barren. <laughs> and so I love her response. Oh, no, my Lord, that is definitely not going to happen. <laughs> she objected, please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. In other words, don't give me hope. Don't try to, you know, give me something, say something exciting to me and let me down. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? <clears throat> don't, don't, don't do that. I've been so disappointed. Don't, don't even go there. But the woman became pregnant. <laughs> and the next year, about that time, she gave birth to a son just as Elijah had told. Wow. The Bible says the child grew. One day he went out to his father, who was the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. His father told a servant, carry him to his mother. And after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon and then died. Verse 21, she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. She kept going. Typical woman, not too much information, just keep going. She was on a plan. She saddled the donkey and said to her, her servant, lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And the Bible says, when he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant, Gehazi, look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her and ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Is everything all right? So she saw Gehazi, and she just can't run past him. Everything's all right. And when she reached the man of God at the mountain, the Bible says she took hold of his feet, and Gehazi came over to push her away. But the man of God had said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me. He has not told me why. Hmm. And the Bible says she cries out, did I, did I ask you for a son, my Lord, she said? Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? And then Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt. Take my staff in your hand and run. Don't greet anyone with you. Meet him on the way. And if anyone greets you, do not answer. Then lay my staff on the boy's face. Gehazi went on ahead, laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or no response. So Gehazi went back to, to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed, lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. He stretched himself out on him, and the boy's body grew warm. Verse 35, Elisha turned away, walked back and forth in the room, and then got on the bed and stretched out one more time. Interesting. The boy sneezed seven times, and his eyes opened. A miracle had taken place. Elijah summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And she did. When she came in, take your son, he said. She came in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. What an amazing story of just encouragement. When it seems like all is lost, God can come through. How many with me say amen? We're talking about stewarding the move of God. I want to talk to you about a promise restored, a promise restored. And we said to steward means to actively direct the affairs of, to manage, to, to administer, to guide, 
to supervise, to carry on. Somebody shall carry on. I like that, to carry on, to conduct, to oversee. You know, and I thought about it, and I thought about to conduct or, conduct or oversee, and that we are to be the disciples of the Lord. Uh, remember the story in Luke, it talks about, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke talks about Simon of Cyrene, and the Bible says that, that he carried the cross of Jesus. And remember the story? Well, actually, in a tra- couple of these uh, translations of the gospel, it says, they seized him. In other words, he was just kind of walking by the way. Now, whether he is from North Africa or if he was a Jew that was in uh, Cyrene, we don't, we don't know who or what, but we know that they grabbed him and they said, carry the cross. And it was almost like it was, a, in a sense, against his will. And they made him carry it. And it says they, he carried it behind Jesus. You know, that's a picture of discipleship in our life. That there are times that God calls us to things in our life that we didn't know we'd be doing it. We didn't know we'd be in this position. We would know that that call would be on us and that we are to pick up our cross and we are supposed to follow behind Jesus. How many with me say amen? And uh, it's just a beautiful picture. And sometimes there's suffering involved in that. I don't want it. No, I don't want that cross. No, don't hand that to me. Can you pick someone else? And sometimes we have to walk that path. Are you here this morning? And the scripture says that we've been reading each week in 1 Peter 4.10 that we have all received a gift, that we're to be good stewards, good stewards of uh, the, the house of God and the things of God, to protect the house of God. And, and Ephesians 2.22 says, in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place. Somebody shout dwelling place. For God by the Spirit. And we said this the last few weeks that Every church, according to the word of God, is supposed to be a dwelling place for God's presence. Not a social club. Not a, hey, can we just exchange, you know, phone numbers and business? And you know what? Stuff like that happens. But how many know the world doesn't need our lights, our coffee, or our TED Talks on Sunday mornings? Amen? They need the presence of God. We need the presence of God more than ever. You need the presence of God. And I have no issue with being excellent in ministry and utilizing the technology, and and we're all for that, but not to replace the presence of God. Amen? And so we know that. You know, the Bible talks, too, there's an admonition, and I felt like just to, it doesn't merely speak of Jesus as, as the new temple, but it also talks about as the church, we come together corporately as the temple of God. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? In 1 Corinthians 3, 9, he urges them, Paul does, to recognize that the church is God's building project, not theirs. Now, uh, we all participated, many of you, to help in the building project. We're talking naturally here of this house, to house the presence of the Lord when we come together. But it's God's building. Amen? And he has a purpose for it, because he wanted it. I wanted to do it 15 years ago, and then... 12 years ago, and then eight years ago, come on, somebody, and it could not happen. <laughs> I tried. And when the worst time to build, come on, somebody, the worst time actually became the greatest time to build in all of my life, with interest rates at 2.8%. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Basically free money. And even though there was a supply chain issue, people were kind of twiddling their thumbs, you know, and, well, we got to be shut down, locked down, come on, Amen. And we opened our doors in the last place, and God blessed us because he said he wanted to do it. He wanted to do that. Can I get an amen? 
And so this is God's temple. This is his house, and we are to steward that. And here's the thing that we don't want to hinder his continued work as we move forward. You know, 1 Corinthians 3 talks about that. It says, you not know and understand that you, the church, are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells permanently in you, watch this, collectively and individually. So when we come individually, collectively, the Spirit of God is here. And if anyone, he says, destroys the temple of God, and it says in the Amplified, by corrupt, corrupting it with division or false doctrine, it says God will destroy that destroyer, wow, that's heavy. How many don't, we don't want to be on that side of the coin there, amen? Because it says the temple of God is holy and sacred, and that's who we are. So once again, every church according to the word of God, I believe, is supposed to be a dwelling place for God's presence. A dwelling place. Why? Why is that? Because the presence of God is every person's greatest need. Did you hear that? It's my greatest need. It's your greatest need, not gathering more stuff. Come on. Not just trying to feed our flesh, trying to extract the most we can out of life, pleasure. The greatest need that our spirit and soul yearns for is the presence of God. The pre can I get an amen? Thank you for those. It's the presence of God. That's why the Bible says they that wait on the Lord, shall renew their strength. What are you doing? Even today, right now, you may feel like, oh, the time is going by. I could be, but really, we're waiting on the Lord. What happens when you wait? I looked that word up in the Hebrew. It actually means to hope, to trust, to expect, to look for. We are looking for. It means to, actually, there's like a twisting and a stretching. And like it, one, one translation say, it's the tension of enduring. Mm like a strand of rope and to bind together. And what's happening? We're, we're gaining new strength and we new power. We come together corporately on a Sunday morning to worship. That's what's happening. We're waiting on the Lord. He's not, it's not passive. It's active, okay? It's active. And so quickly, last week, we talked about God's desire to dwell with his people. We talked about, excuse me, a few weeks ago and how the ark was brought back to Israel supernaturally, and we said this, that God cannot be stopped from fulfilling his good purpose, which is to dwell among his people. He desires to dwell among his people. Every day when you wake up, you go to work, God is not up there somewhere, some other planet just thinking, or some other galaxy, you know what, I'm busy with this, just forget about that little blue dot way out there on the Orion belt. He is concerned about you. Do you hear that? He wants to commune with you. He wants the fellowship with you. Thank you for those two amens. <laughs> You're a little subdued here this morning. That's all right. And then we talked about uh, God making room, and we talked about the Shunammite woman, how she did that, and, and, and she made the man of God welcome in her house. She just didn't invite him in. She created space for the presence. I want to talk about that. Creating space for the presence. Because in the time of crisis, it's good to have space in crisis for the presence. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? I'll get into that in a moment. This woman's desire to have the power of God dwelling in her house meant no matter what it cost, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. So she made room for the presence of God. She made room, and it cost her something. She was stretched. 
her husband, they were stretched. And, and when I mean stretched, we don't like to usually financially were stretched. You know what? Yes, for many, it was a stretch financially. But, but also, actually, I, I think we are being stretched, even as a people, emotionally, relationally. We're being stretched physically, spiritually, mentally. I mean, we're in a season that we're being stretched. And the enemy knows that, and he knows that God is moving and rousing himself to show himself mighty. And so, so the woman's house was made bigger to encompass the needs of the man of God, and they were both stretched. Now, here's the thing. God's gifts always accompany his presence. And this is my third point. Receiving from God. God blessed, as we read in these verses, this Shunammite woman with more than what she could ever dream to hope for. And, and even as Chris was sharing earlier, the offering, and I, so true when we first had our son and, and then we started having kids, I was just thinking, I know what I make is a salary and I know what it costs for diapers. Come on, somebody. How am I going to pay? You know what I mean? And those of you that are over 50 now and you empty nesters, come on, somebody. Uh, you kind of wondered, the kids are grown. How do we make it? But God. God brings you through. He stretches things, and in the moment when you need things, and he provides for you, and what we fret about, we look back and we go, why were we fretting? Why were we worried? Anyhow, so she, she got blessed, and why did God bless this woman so greatly? Well, I believe, number one, she had a desire to serve the man of God without expecting anything back. Now, I'm going somewhere. Watch this. And we said this, that Elisha represents the move of God or the presence of God in our life, in our churches. It's a picture, I believe, in the Old Testament, even though he was a real person. Now, notice this. Her primary motive was to serve the Lord, to serve God. And here's the thing. She built this room. She added on. She didn't want nothing from the man of God, nothing. He pressed her. What do you want? You want me to go talk to the king? He pressed her. She said, no, I don't want nothing. Just want to, I know the hand of God is on you, and I want to make room for the presence in my house. That's a word right there. She was content with what she had. Someone say content. 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. But godliness actually is a source of great gain when it is accompanied with contentment. That contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. She was content. She was content. Lord, we need contentment today. (laughs) We need contentment today. And so I think about how much different her attitude is towards God compared to sometimes how our attitude can be. And we often come before God making requests and saying, yeah, remember Jesus' words that God is a good God. Can I get an amen? He's a provider. He wants to bless us with good gifts, does he not? Amen. And we like to say amen to all that, and that is the truth, but we can often forget, watch this, we are first called to serve the master before considering our own needs. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? You know, I personally never heard a sermon preached on this next verse that I'm going to read to you. Now, I know I've read it many times through different translations, numerous Bibles I go through. I like to go through whole Bibles starting beginning of the year, just try to the, you know, that version, whatever that, that translation, I like that. So I've read it many times, but I don't think I've ever heard anyone preach on what I'm about to share. 
And someone in here is like, man, I've talked about that many times. Okay, great. But I've heard it, but I don't think I've never heard a message on it. And I'm not going to preach the message. I'm just going to read it. Now watch this. Ready? Luke 17, 6 through 9. The apostles and disciples. Say this to me. Say apostles and disciples. Well, we know we're not part of the original 12, but how many know we're disciples? He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. Just clarifying right here. Okay? Ready? So, So here it is. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the seed and it will obey you. I've heard many sermons on that. Right? Faith. Small as a mustard seed. Speak into your prosperity. Call those things that be not as though they were. That's the word of God. I believe these things. These things are truth. Are you with me? You know, God, you know, success and coming into fruition to the things of God. Increase our faith, Lord. They cried out. They asked. Jesus is speaking to them. But here's the thing that just blew me away, reading this in context with the next verse. It's this verse here. He's not done speaking. Notice this part. Jesus says, suppose, he just asked, increase our faith. Jesus says, okay, suppose one of you has a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Will he say to his servant when he comes in from the field, come along now, sit down and eat? Or won't he rather say, prepare my supper, get yourself ready, wait on me while I eat and drink? Wow, it's awfully quiet in here. After that, you may eat and drink. Watch this. Or will he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, my disciples, so you also, my disciples, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Wait a minute. What did you just say, Jesus? (laughs) I like that other part, increase my faith. This part here, I don't know about that. How many know that's contrary to our Western thinking? When we read the Bible, we think it's all about us. Every context, no matter what, anything that has to do with anything positive, he's speaking to me. There's a spiritual truth. I, I, I could so much to say, I believe it's a command that Jesus is conveying here. Now watch this. This is not something that's talked about much. The phrase, gird thyself and serve me, or get yourself ready and wait on me, actually means, watch this, minister to me, and serve me with your life first. Serve me with your life first, Jesus is saying. Friends, how many know God is desiring a service from all, from us all? That means you too, and me. And really, the Christian faith, is it's, it's not summed up in a name and in claim it. Can I get an amen? And watch this, the meat and drink here is seeing our Father's will done on earth, and then too, when that is done, watch this, because God is always a blesser. He really is. When that is done, we will be able to share in that glory. But there's a, there's a mandate. There's a serving of our life that might ruffle some of us, but that's the truth. That's what the Word of God is saying. See, if our primary motive when we come to God is to serve Him with our lives first, then he will ensure that we are also blessed. Watch this right here. Luke 12 says this, blessed, happy, prosperous to be admired are those servants whom the master finds awake and serving and watching when he arrives. He says this, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, he will prepare himself to serve and he will have them recline at a table, you. He'll say, sit down at that table, recline, chill out. 
because I'm going to serve you now. And you know what? I feel like in that moment, I'll be like Peter when Jesus started washing feet. How many hear what I'm saying? Oh, not so, Lord. You can't. Jesus said, if I can't wash your feet, then you have no part in my kingdom. And so that's going to be a difficult time. I don't know about you, if you ever had your feet washed by, whoo, you don't want to be that person sitting there. Amen? You think, oh, if you're the person washing the feet, listen, it's always a blessing and you humble yourself. All right, but the point is this. In that moment, I was just like, Lord, you're going to serve me? You are worthy. You're a king. But he said, I will serve you. Why? Because you first in this life served me. You served me with your whole life, and I will serve you. Wow. Amen. Thank you. Praise the Lord. That's our motive. That's our motive. And he says, and you're going to recline at the table, and I will come, and I will wait on you. That's our king. That's our God. Wow. There's a day coming when Jesus will serve us all. Just saying that makes me cringe because we're called to serve him. But you know what? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Can you say amen? And so just quickly get back. I got one more point here, and we're going to conclude. But while Elisha was resting in the room, we know the story. I just read it, and, 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 uh, and this woman would be blessed with a child. And I think about that, how God even, there's a spiritual picture that when we make room for the presence, it makes room for new birth. Amen. It, you know, that's, that's souls to be saved. That's, that's people that you've been praying for that, that they may not attend this church, but they're somewhere in Nashville, come on, or in L.A., and you're praying, and you know them, and they wake up someday, and the presence of God is on them, and they go to church, and they get saved. All right? So new birth, that's what God wants, new birth, and that's, gonna, that's happening here. New birth in people's lives. The Holy Spirit, he brings the unsaved in and causes them to be born again. You know, a lot of times we, 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 we just look for, we look for huge crowds. Wow, you know, that must be, something's happening there is a huge crowd. But you know what? Sometimes we can, we can miss the moments when, the, come on, the single mom comes with a child that she's struggling with. And we're looking for the, the, the crowd, but, you know, or you got the young man that's struggling with his flesh, and, and, and he's trying to, get answers, and he, he needs just prayer and support. Am I speaking to anybody? The couple that's really going through it, and they need some help, or someone has a, a sickness, and they need prayer, someone just to stand with them. It's the little things. It's the little things I think we need to be aware of. God's presence is moving. And so that is our heart cry. Lord, your will be done here. Your will be done. And then number four, finally here, holding on to the promise. I want you to notice 2 Kings 4, Verse 15 and 17, he said, call, call her. Gehazi calls her. She comes in, stands at the doorway. We know the word. Uh, we just read it. You're going to embrace the son. And she gets a son. She has it. It's a miracle. It's probably the joy is just overwhelming because at that time, if you were barren, it was just like, wow. It was like all hope was lost for your life. There was a stigma. There was a shame. And now she hears just walking right around her belly out there. She has a son. And God blessed her with something she didn't tell anybody. Because how many know that God knows the secrets of our heart? He knows how to bless you more than you think. Amen? <clears throat> now watch this. And But every time there's a blessing, every time there's an outpouring, every time that God moves, we always see that there's a testing. There's a trial. There's times tribulation. There's difficulty. 2 Kings 4.18, and when the child was grown, the Bible said, 
that he had some type of a fever, whatever, and, and uh, he sat on his mom's lap, and the Bible said he, he died. And as you read this, it's like, this is so awful. She didn't ask for a son. God blesses her with something in her heart, and then the child dies. How awful is that? And this is the thing that spoke to me. She went up, the Bible says, and laid the child on the bed of the man of God and shut the door of the small upper room they had built for Elisha, and then she left. What does that mean? Thank God she had prepared a place for the presence. Thank God she had a church she was connected to. Come on, somebody. Thank God that she knew people there, and and, and she honored the man of God. She knew people that that were full of the presence of God. And in, 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 in crisis, she had, she had a, a place to go, a place to go. And so, so I just think about this years later. See, this, this promise dies in her arms. It's taken away and, you know, on a, a smaller scale. I just was thinking about that and thought. I remember when we used to raise German shepherds, or really wouldn't raise it, Heidi, our shepherd would run out. And next thing you know, she got 13 puppies. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and she's in heat. In and uh, but we had these other two shepherds that were hers, and we called them Max and Brutus. And uh, I don't know why I'm sharing this, but it just spoke to me. And Max and Brutus were stolen. They were stolen from me and the family. And we found them under some tin. A few weeks later, and you could see they were real sickly, and and uh, they uh, uh, they had distemper, and they were puppies. They were only a year and a half, two years old. Anyhow, the short of it is that I just held them until they, they just died in my arms. I was 14 years old. And, uh, yeah, that affected me. You know, affected me. But Heidi, she made it through. She was strong. She made it through. And so here is this mother, has this child, <clears throat> and the child dies in her arms. And it's like the dream has died. Hmm. Here's a verse. I'm going to conclude with this. 2 Kings 4.30. This is the verse I want to end with. It says, the mother of the child said, when she ran to to the man of God, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. I won't go home unless you go with me. Lord, something seems like it's died within me, and I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to lay hold of you. Unless you come with me, I'm not going. I'm not leaving you, Lord. I'm not going to release you. And some of you here today, there's some things that have died inside. God gave you. He blessed you. You lived in that for a season, and it seems like something turned. Something turned. Stand with me if you would, please, this morning. Some of you may feel just helpless feel in a worse situation than you did before. And you've tried things like Gehazi in your own strength, try to bring things back, and it just, it just didn't. You need the presence of God. You need the presence of God in your life. Some of you may have sought the Lord, and, and, and you received a promise, and it seems like something has been taken away. I just feel that heavy this morning in my spirit. Some of you now, you're just living in in that blessing and the promise. But today, 
as we conclude this series, I want to just leave with you this verse here in 2 Kings 4.30. This woman grabbed a hold of the feet of the man of God, a symbolic of the move of God and the presence of God in our life today. And no matter what she went through, she said, I'm not going to leave you, God. Now, there are so many Christians that just walk away from the faith. So many deconstructing. They're wounded and they're broken. They have questions about things. Things didn't make sense. But I want to encourage you here today. The presence of God can resurrect the dream of God in your life. It may not be a rest restoration to what you had but God will always resurrect something better in your life every head bowed here this morning if you would please what is our response maybe you've had a friend that you've prayed for and you want them to Christ and they're backslid maybe you've just gone through a divorce maybe there's relationships that are just strained and fragmented. Maybe a sickness or a disease. What is our response? I believe our response today is one to do what the Shunammite woman did. She said, as the Lord lives and as our, my soul lives, I will not leave you, God. I'm not looking at anything else or anyone. In this season, Lord, I'm in pain but I'm holding on to you. I'm not going to let the enemy steal my worship. I don't understand this situation, but I'm going to still draw near to you and I'm going to trust you in all things. And what did she do? She laid the problem down in the Holy Spirit's resting place, which right now I believe here this morning in this moment is this altar, is this altar. And I want to open up the altars. We're going to dim the lights here in a moment and pray. But I just want us to have a time of just where you can come. You can just sit. You can kneel on the side or whatever. Or maybe come to the front row. And uh, once we dismiss those who need to go, feel free. And fellowship in there, we want you to. But I just really am stirred by the Spirit to make some space for the presence of God to touch people's lives. How many know that we can have God's power move through an area and we, could, we can miss out because we're not looking for it? But here at Harvest, we are looking, we are seeking, we are watching, we are pursuing, we are pursuing a resting place, a resting place. You're here this morning as a pastor, I'm not, I'm not right with Jesus. This is a great day. You can get right with the Lord. You can get right with the Lord by repenting and inviting Christ in your life. If you would like to do that, I can lead you in a prayer and we can pray corporately. If that's you, you say, Pastor, I'm not right. I need to get right with God. I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on that. But this is your time and your moment if the Spirit of God, which I believe is stirring over you. You're here this morning. Pray with me. Say this. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Come into my life. Save me. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. I will serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.
Amen, amen. Friends, if you prayed that and you meant it, the Bible says the Spirit of God has come. He resides within you. And it's like a pressure washer. He is coming in to clean and white the snow, to purify the sin and all of those things that will weigh you down as you're forgiven in Christ Jesus. Amen, church. Amen.